Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Vantage Point, where the vantage is the point. I'm Troy Jennings, an actor, teacher, and content creator. And I am Aaron Pope, a connector, cultural specialist, and Bible enthusiast. On this podcast, we share our viewpoints in a way that adds value to your life and encourages you to be the best version of yourself. On last week's episode, we talked about the ways in which we can all cultivate more happiness and joy in our lives. Today, we'll be talking about the ways in which music can help to regulate our moods. We'll also discuss some of the music that has impacted our lives. Music is one of the most powerful tools that we have. It is so universal that it transcends language and culture. Music has the ability to entertain, to inspire, and to promote healing. For many of us, music plays an integral part in the fabric of who we are. In many ways, I see this as an extension of the last episode. We were talking about cultivating happiness, cultivating joy, and we mentioned something regarding happiness habits. I would suggest for many people, music is a habit that is oftentimes done to promote a sense of happiness in one's life. And uh, again, shout out last week to The Collective, as you uh, entitled them on last week's episode, for all of the great questions that you all gave to us. So music, what are some genres for yourself that you listen to? I like uh, neo-soul, some old-school soul, gospel, uh, CCM, uh, Christian contemporary. Um, I like classical and jazz. How about you? Trap music. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just kidding. No, um, I am also an old soul. So I was raised, and I probably get this a lot from my mother, just Motown era music. I love, you know, the Supremes, Gladys Knight and the Pips, the Temptations. So there's something about that that will always hold um, a place for me in my life. And the substance of the music and the lyrics and the combination of the melody and the words is something that's so great about that time period. And I just love R&B in general. Uh, Also, neo-soul gospel, mostly old school gospel. And I'm getting into CCM now and really learning to appreciate that genre of music as well. And I found an article from Psychology Today. It's entitled The Five Ways Music Regulates Mood. How Does Music Impact Human Behavior and Emotion? It's by Sharam Hashmat. One of the things the article says is that music is highly valuable for emotion regulation. Emotion regulation is a term that I've heard of before. It's oftentimes used in therapy, and it is defined as the ability to monitor, evaluate, and modify one's internal and external emotional reactions. There are many ways in which this can be done, and music is one of those ways. Uh, One of the first points that is in the article is music used as a healing tool. The article says that it is effective for the reduction of anxiety and worrying, as well as pain relief in clinical settings. One of the things I've heard about is music therapy. And this is a clinical use of music to accomplish individualized goals, like reducing stress and improving mood. Some of us do this not necessarily in a structured format, but we'll listen to music when we're feeling a certain kind of way and it can lift our spirits, it can enlighten us. So we do it sometimes unconsciously, not knowing that this is really a a powerful tool that we will use in our life whenever we're, we're feeling a certain kind of way. 
Have you uh, been in a position before where you have felt a certain way and a certain song may come on or you may listen to an intentional song and it's uh, lifted you out of whatever you were feeling? All the time. Um, and not just with gospel. I know that would be the uh, closest thought that people would have. But when I'm doing certain tasks or uh, certain things, particularly um, last week when I was talking about cleaning and things, there are certain uh, songs or albums rather that I want to hear, not just the song. I want to cycle through an artist or, you know, cycle through a certain sound while I'm doing those things only because it just helps, I guess you could say focus or center my thoughts for the moment. Yeah. And there's definitely a, a commonality that many people use it in that kind of way. And it's really, I think something that unites us. Like I said, in the beginning, it transcends so many things. Point two in the article is social affiliation. The article says that it helps to maintain social cohesion and attachment. One of the things I think of is dancing. That's often a communal experience. Whether, you know, some people go out to dance in certain kinds of venues. If you're at a wedding reception, some of us, all we can do is a two-step. But, <laughs> you know, it's definitely a, a place that uh, unites us. And even with dancing, in many ways, that is a stress reliever for some people. You know, I think an expression, you dance the pain away. If there's something about it. I think it also almost works in partnership with music in a lot of ways. And for many people, that is a form of therapy, dance therapy. Um, that I think is major as well. The next point here, uh, point three, which I think is interesting, is sad music. The article says that when feeling sad, we find sad music to be coherent with what we are feeling and that we are not alone in our sadness. I think this is interesting. I don't know if I do this necessarily. I think I've done it before, but not frequently. I'm kind of on the reverse. If I'm sad, sometimes I'll try to listen to something that's happy to be uh, kind of transform my state. But I think it's interesting that some of us will listen to sad music because it kind of empathizes with where we are, that we're not necessarily trying to shift our mood, but we want something that uh, that meets us where we are right now. Yeah, I think that I'm like unto you in the sense that I don't know that I've done it that way before i think when i get to a certain place particularly when it comes to sadness i don't really need an amen corner so i'm not really going to listen to you know something that'll kind of lock me into that place um but i will say the sound of music if i go that route would matter more than anything else you know what comes to mind to me is there are instances where people are feeling sad and if they go to someone, sometimes our instinct is to try to encourage them, them or make them feel better. And in some ways it may end up invalidating their experience because they're not looking for that. And so I almost look at the sad music based on the article as it's relating to me. It's, it's saying, I hear you and I'm validating where you are. And I'm not saying that right now you need to be lifted out of it. And, it, you know, for some people, it just could be, I guess, what they're looking for. But I do think that's an interesting point that the article is. I wouldn't have thought of that personally. And, you know, it sounds like for both of us, that's not necessarily something that we would look for. Yeah. But it, it is something that could have value for some people out there. Point four is better focus. And it says that music evoked emotions, reduced distractions and improve focus. Some of the examples I have here are study music, piano music, ambient sounds. I, I sometimes will go to YouTube if I'm trying to, to study or meditate on something. 
I love piano music. It's one of my favorite instruments, the piano in general. But um, classical music also to me is in that category. I love classical music because it really allows you just to have an experience. There aren't words that are put along with it. You kind of get to envision what you want it to be without someone putting their own interpretation onto it. And um, I like that about it. And the last point here, which I want you to comment on because I think is interesting, is consumer behavior. The article says that research shows that music can subconsciously affect our moods and influence our purchasing behavior. It also says that when a song is played at a fast pace, people move faster. If slower, people tend to move slower. And one of the two industries I know you've been involved with, one is the, like, the clothing retail industry and also um, the restaurant industry. And I want you to talk a little bit about how you think music played a role in those kinds of jobs. Well, definitely in, as far as retail is concerned, um, if you go into any store um, right now in some places um, within the next week or so, you will already be hearing um, bits and pieces of Christmas trickling, tr Christmas music trickling in. Um, you'll hear um, very uh, festive songs um, starting to be played. You will start to hear um, more songs that are locked or linked to nostalgia. Uh, throwbacks, stuff that you haven't heard in a while. Um, all of these things are to invoke an emotion, particularly to remind you that the holiday is coming, um, to, to bait you into thinking about other people to the point where you want to spend more money to where you're just going in for one item for yourself. You now walk away with six different things because you thought about people in your shopping experience um, to speak to um, regulating the mood um, if you've ever been in an elevator in the morning, <laughs> the elevator music is different at, at in the afternoon. In the morning, it's very kind of um, tranquil, very kind of simple, um, nothing too heavy. It is to regulate people who are, are running late so they're not all over the place. <laughs> you, you done rushed into the elevator, caught the elevator, barely caught it because the person didn't want to press the button for you to hold the door open. Anyway, <laughs> got in on the elevator. And it is that sound, that song that you hear in the elevator, particularly in the morning time, that is supposed to draw your mind in, for lack of better terms. Now, in a restaurant, <laughs> it is different and it all depends on the restaurant. I know that there's this new wave of, you know, the louder, the better. Mm. Um, and you got to have a party when you get off at work, particularly if you are going to happy hour um, or just finding an hour to be happy. And so it all depends on particularly the place, but you can always tell what they're trying to do um, when you're getting into the store, because the whole goal is to get you to be in the store longer than you plan. And do you feel when they want you to be in the store for a long period of time, the music is slower? Not so much slower, but it, it, it is more um, relaxing to the point where they do play uh, things um, from uh, oldies, but goodies that um, kind of music that settles you in to kind of say, oh, I, I'm, I'm not in a rush. Yeah, I don't have a, anywhere to be. I can, I can take my time and just, you know, go around the store. And I tend to be one of those people where I'm kind of in and out. I hate to, like, spend too much time in a store. Um, and then also going back to that restaurant thing, you know, when we had seen the 
being in corner at the Shakespeare Theater Company, we had gone to a restaurant um, in DC, won't name the restaurant, but the music was extremely loud. <laughs> and I do think part of it, 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 you know, could be an age thing where I think sometimes maybe younger people, some of them may like really loud music, but I notice these days, I don't enjoy being in places where the music is really loud and I feel like I have to yell to be heard by the other person. I tend to like more quiet environments. So I try to avoid places where I feel like I have to yell to be heard. Cause like if the point is to go out and enjoy my time, why do I have to fight to be heard by the person who I'm with? It's just uh, uncomfortable. And you said it right there. You actually want to have a conversation when you go out. I think right. that the music is a lot louder, particularly now, because people don't talk to each other. So when they're in each other's faces, they're on their phones or their devices. And so it's not awkward. I think the music has gone up. But I agree with you. I don't want to yell at you uh, if we're supposed to be enjoying ourselves out in the streets and carrying on. The music shouldn't be louder or I shouldn't have to talk over the music. Right. Well, I guess they say uh, to each their own. <laughs> and when that's, you get to uh, be my age. You don't talk over music. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I like more kind of chill, mellow kind of music if I'm out somewhere like that. Uh, and then the elevator music was not even something that came to mind. But that's a whole thing about elevator music. It, there really is a whole genre of music that people pick when they are uh, selecting for the elevator music. And even with the restaurant, I think one of the interesting things is that a lot of us underestimate how intentional the choices are of the music that people select for retail shopping stores, for the mall, for restaurants. It is very intentional and very psychological in order to produce a certain kind of result. So uh, very, very fascinating to think about those kinds of things. It is is actually a skill set, the ability to um, piece together or produce together a um, playlist, even when it comes down to, you know, movies and just the songs that we hear linked to scenes and how they shift moments in the scene are, you know, it is it is a huge skill to be able to, um, I would say, curate a a sound or a playlist for uh, any type of uh, interaction where people are going to be involved because it does make a difference. And that's another good point as well. You know, we talk about movies a lot on this podcast, but that whole thing about scoring a film is very important because sometimes the music is almost a character in terms of that it's very noticeable, but then other times it's more subtle. And I think it's having that awareness and discernment to know what project or what scenes the music needs to be understated and what moments it needs to be overstated. Because I've seen certain projects where the music it's too overstated. So it's almost commenting on everything. And then it kind of makes it seem very melodramatic. Whereas if it was more understated, it lets me as the listener or the viewer be able to have my own takeaway from it instead of someone being so heavy handed to say, this is what you're supposed to get from this. But art oftentimes is best when it allows us as the consumer to partake away our own. Here we go. Vantage point Absolutely. from the material. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I um, I go back to think about um, one of the dream jobs. I'll throw it out there just in case somebody's listening. I want to work for Pixar Shorts. And on, Pixar. with working with Pixar Shorts, one of the things I love about Pixar Shorts is there is very, very, very um, minimum amount of words, if one line at all. And it is all um, music based, all um, detail based, uh, visually based 
things that you have to watch and you get to um, curate the scene for yourself. Mm. And that ability, that skill that people can be in the same room watching the same short and get something out of it and or certain moments affect people in certain ways is incredible. Um, and I would just love to kind of participate in that and see how that functions, because that ability to, again, like you said, music being um, a, a, a language of its own is one of the things that I like to see, you know, unveil and show up and see how people are you know yeah i always think of um one song um it doesn't come to mind but there's this one song that i know where i'm at particularly if i'm in the city mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> based on how when it comes on what people start doing <laughs> um, and so i always uh laugh at just how music does either push us in one way or another it really does and you know I love the shorts as well. One, because that music, it does evoke certain things out of us. And then it also shows how we don't need words in order to understand something. Sometimes we have such an over-reliance on language, but when we have the absence of it, we can still gain so much information. And if you doubt that, take a look at these Pixar shorts. They tell entire stories without ever really saying anything. Sometimes it's like certain sounds but they aren't fully constructed sentences. And I, I really love that about it, that we don't need that. You know, the there was a whole era called the silent film era. The films had no words, but we got so much from it just by what we're watching. And oftentimes, you know, as an actor, I've been a part of, a part of projects where directors are like, you know, some actors, we have a reliance on the words, but they'll oftentimes say, I need you to start the scene without the words start it from a nonverbal kind of place because your body should already be telling a story before you speak. But if you rely too much on the words, then it's more kind of intellectual. Sometimes you want the words to drop into your body because ultimately, even when we speak in life, the words come from some place. We're speaking the words, but it's coming from somewhere inside of us, a part of us. So uh, having that motivation of what's prompting me to speak. And then when I feel that place, then I can speak. But uh, yeah, really interesting experience. And uh, one thing I didn't think of either is memorization. People, uh, many people oftentimes have a hard time memorizing things. But if you ask them to memorize a song, it's more easy. Even if you don't know all the words, if you think of the melody, eventually the words come. Because it's something about when you have a rhythm and a melody to something, it's easier to remember. Even as an actor, one of the um, easiest lines I've ever had was in Shakespeare because of how Shakespeare wrote and the rhythm that he wrote his um, verses in. That cadence and that rhythm makes the lines easier to remember the same way that it's easy to remember music. So music is a really fascinating thing. And the whole science behind it is still something that is unfolding in many ways. And I know you have some uh, questions to ask regarding music. Yes. Our first question is, what is the first song and or artist you want to hear when you are happy? This can, uh, it can really change based on where I am in life. But two things, two artists actually come to mind. One is Jill Scott. I love Jill Scott. I think a lot of her music is very just uplifting, very empowering. And if I'm really feeling good, I might throw on Golden or something like that. She's, there's so many songs. I've seen her in concert as well. And 
she's a great art- artist and she really embodies everything that she sings about. And the other one is Nora Jones. I love Nora Jones. And when I reflect over her, I oftentimes find that if I'm cooking, I'll put on Nora Jones. It's something about her voice and her music, uh, specifically her first album, Come Away With Me, that I just, it really transports me to a, a place. And it relaxes me and it kind of just is just very chill, very mellow and uh, produces, you know, happy emotions in me. How about you? Um, For me, in my mind, um, I am already a boss. And so for me, for those happy, happy moments, particularly when I want to bring a certain energy in the room or I'm leaving the room (laughs) with a certain energy, um, it would be Extraordinaire by Jadena. Jadena. It's a good choice. And I you know, saw him in concert. It's a great performer as well. Yes. Second question is, um, what is your favorite concert and who do you want to see next? So for me, anyone who really knows me knows that Lauren Hill is my favorite artist. And I have seen her not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. <laughs> I would have seen her a fifth time, but she did not show. <laughs> Bless her heart. Makes sense. <laughs> right. But I do love Lauren Hill. I, I will say there have been moments where I've had to wait for her for a while. I don't know why I've had to wait, but I did wait. I did choose to wait. And it's been worth it every time. Yeah, it's been a great experience. I love her presence. I love her delivery. I love how she, it's not going to be the same. I've seen her four times and each time it's been a different concert. Uh, she never does a song the same way. She's always experimenting, always taking risk. And I really think um, an artist should take risk. And she definitely is uh, proof of that. Uh, in terms of an artist that I want to see, uh, that's an interesting question. Let's see. I would say it's a newer artist, but Leon Le Havis. I really love Leon Le Havis. Uh, great up and coming artist, great voice great substance with the the lyrical content of her music as well. How about you? For me, I would say um, my favorite concert was India Irie uh, at the Kennedy Center. Um, Well, I got to see her a few times um, there and several other places, but she is one of my favorites to um, always see. Um, She looks good and she smells nice and she's just a wonderful spirit and energy and soul. And she, um, much like I would say Lauren Hill, finds uh, clever ways to reintroduce old material um, and just creating a nice, good, uh, simple, laid back um, concert. For me, I'm not for the standing and hollering and carrying on the whole time. I want to enjoy a certain sound and energy. And she always brings that. And I can always enjoy that. For me, um, it used to be uh, Patti LaBelle, but I got an opportunity to see her because mm-hmm. um, that would be the old person to me. Uh, but um, there are actually several. I would agree with Leanne Le Havis. I think that she has a great voice. But um, Miraba, mm-hmm. um, I would say she would be somebody who I want to see. I want to see how she navigates the concert. I want to see uh, how she navigates um, background vocals. With that also being said, Jasmine Sullivan. Sorry, just uh, threw that yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see her. Gosh, that's good. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next question is, um, in your mind, your thoughts, the greatest artist of all time, I'm, you know, 
I got two because I was being greedy, and we're probably going to say one of the same. Uh, Michael Jackson, of course. <laughs> oh, I mean, you just can't get away from that. It's, we're talking about of all time. We're not yeah. just talking about a season, a, a moment, an opportunity of all time. I can still go through his catalog and be like, oh, that was a good one. That was good. To the point you remember moves and, you know, Pepsi commercials where they – Grease got his hair on fire, like all of that stuff. You just mm. remember iconic thriller. Like you just can't get beyond that. For those of you who don't know any of the things I just explained, shame on you. Um, with that also being said, on the flip side, I would say Ella Fitzgerald. Two mm. completely different types of artists, but if we're talking about greatest of all times, there are things that Ella was doing during the time that people still can't do, can't mimic, can't echo. Beautiful voice, beautiful voice. Now, who is Michael Jackson? I hate it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's funny you said that because I would. My answer is Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's the uh, right I, answer, right? When I was thinking of the greatest of all time, many names came to mind first. I think the word is work is great, but when you think of all time, he was a genius. He was the full package. Not only did he sing, but he danced. He fully embodied every song. He was a true entertainer. Mm -hmm. And there was a period, especially when I was in high school, it was Michael Jackson, everything. I had the number one's album, uh, which was, I think was a CD. Then also there was a video version of like all his greatest hits video. I mean, all the iconic dance moves. Without a Michael Jackson, we wouldn't have half of the artists that we have now. His work is legendary and for generations to come we will be looking towards his body of work to continue to inspire us entertain us uplift us he is an all-around just genius really usher oh my offering chris brown yeah. <laughs> oh my, all of y'all owe him an offering he is like you said somebody we, they are still we are still as a culture and society still either speaking well of or echoing that there's something that still even new age artists are getting out of the legacy that he has come from. Yeah. And it's, it's undeniable. That's a true mark of a legend where generations later, people are still trying to emulate or they're still inspired by what you have created. His music continues to stand the test of time. Absolutely. Two more questions. One is um, an artist that you are currently listening to that um, may surprise people. So for this one, I could see, say Leon Le Havis again, but I said her earlier, a name that just came to mind actually is Leon Bridges. And I was just watching a show. I forget what it was the other night. And there was a song on there from him, but he is also a very underrated talent. And I, I do love his music as well. And I believe he's another artist who continues to evolve, continues to to grow. And I, I do like that in artists who aren't afraid to take risk that just because you met me one way doesn't mean I can't evolve my sound and my artistry into something else. How about you? Yeba is um, somebody who I am currently listening to, um, who is an extraordinary talent. You may know her um, because she has an interlude on uh, Drake's new album and mm -hmm. she just released her solo project of her own. Um, I've been following her for years now. I was, I've had the opportunity to uh, be introduced to, um, Baltimore's version or a version of Tiny Desk where people mm. do many concerts and she was featured on there. And when I first heard her there, I said, oh, she's going to be a voice to be reckoned with only to see her jump on, uh, 
PJ Morton's uh, album and a number of other people's work and to see her have a full project is incredible. Her project is full in the sound of the vocals, background vocals. There's just a lot I like about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeba is one of those rare talents and her album, I believe it's called Dawn, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about that, it's a full experience from beginning to end. Sometimes there are some pieces of work where I feel it's just kind of pieced together and that's one way of doing it. But I oftentimes like an album where it's very coherent. It's very connected. There's a through line throughout all of it. And with that piece of work, it is so great from beginning, middle and end. The care, the time that she put into it. And just from a, a sound perspective, it just it's so many layers to her voice in the production of the album. It's uh, one of the best albums I've heard in a, quite a long time and definitely an experience, definitely something best listened to with earphones or yes. headphones. And yes. because there's so much layers, especially with the stereo, like the left ear hears one thing the right here, that right ear hears yeah. something else. You can tell that it's just produced so well. And the lyrical content is there as well, because it's hard sometimes to find a balance of both things. Sometimes it's one or the other. The lyrical content's good, but maybe the melody and the music production could be better. But this is an instance where the production side of it is great. And then also the lyrical content is great as well. Not just her um, album, but also her Tiny Desk. Um, mm -hmm. Her um, NPR Tiny Desk is incredible. Also great in the headphones, uh, particularly for the background vocals and a number of other things that are incorporated uh, that are just better in the mm. headphones. One of the questions I have that I just thought of are albums in general. We're talking about albums. Do you have one that you can think of like a favorite album of all time? Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, sometimes that's hard because it's like it depends on the mood you're in, you know, or the time of life that you're in. I will say for me, one of my favorites, I'm going to go back to Lauren Hill. And that's kind of what made me think of this question because of the concept of the miseducation of Lauren Hill that had a through line from beginning, middle and end. There was a story that she was telling about the evolution of love and just even how she started off in a, a classroom setting with a teacher asking um, the questions about love and what is love? What's your concept of love from from childhood? And um, what's great about those of us who've listened to the album, Lauren Hill was not present for the lesson that day. So she missed out on many of the, the lessons um, of love, which perhaps led to her miseducation. Uh, but that for me, I think is one of my favorite albums from beginning, middle and end. That'd be so hard. I would have to really take time to think about it. I listen to a lot of music. Mm. Um, yeah, that would take me some time. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and what was the last question you had? The last question is a simple one, yet churchy. Y'all knew it was going to happen. Relax. <laughs> uh, your favorite hymn. Now, this is kind of like what your response was, because sometimes I think that changes. Mm. I oftentimes associate hymns with what I'm going through. Mm. So I'll go to a certain hymn based on what I'm experiencing. I will say the first thing that comes to mind is on Christ the solid rock I stand. I think that's a, a good one in terms of being firm and grounded about what you need and the foundation that you need uh, with whatever it is you're going through. It, it will always be a, a constant one that I, I would say by default is one of my favorites. Uh, growing up, I know my, my grandma loved, she loved hymns. I oftentimes would see her in the kitchen just 
cooking all kinds of dishes and she'd be at the table. She would be tapping her foot, tapping the table, and she would sing uh, different hymns. One I oftentimes heard her sing was Yield Not to Temptation. She would oftentimes just sing the refrain of that. And so that always is in my mind when I think of her. And uh, I just love that memory. A lot of our, our elders, when they raised us, they did raise us to have a respect and appreciation for that kind of music. And uh, sometimes it's a lost thing, but I think it's very necessary to be grounded in, in that type of thing, especially hymns. It's good to remain rooted in these hymns. Particularly if you, like you said, are old school and not even just old school, but there are certain, for me, verbiage matters. Um, so words really, really matter to me. Um, and hymns bring that insight. They bring that um, conviction, if you will. Um, particularly if you're singing um, anything, really, any kind of hymn will bring a certain amount of conviction to it. I think for me, um, I agree with you that it all really kind of depends on um, where I am in my life. But one of my favorites will always be What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Mm. Um, but on the sacred, simple side of it, holy, holy, holy. Mm, that's a good It's always just a simple um way in, if you will. Um, I definitely utilize that during um, my prayer moments and things like that. It's just a, a simple way of um, centering and drawing your mind in and sitting your hind butt having <laughs> and having a conversation, remembering who you're talking to kind of deal, not just waking up and, Lord, I need, I need, I need that settling. Um, so I agree with you. Hymns have that way of doing things. And that's probably where I get that from, particularly if my mind is cluttered, cluttered. Yeah. Um, hymns, that's all I, I can. It literally will unravel each thought. Um, I'm, and I do get a habit of doing that. But that is probably because I did see the older folks do that. That's something I recall and remember. And it works. Yeah, a lot of stuff from that generation, it still works. I mean, we talked about other forms of music and the timeless nature of it. Hymns are timeless and they're timeless for a reason. They contend, um, continue to center us, continue to ground us. And I often come from the perspective of less is more. Sometimes, sometimes they're deceptively simple because there's a lot going on in them, but they are very simple by nature and the melody of them and how they are sung and you could add more instrumentation to them but from a basic perspective is something about that it strips away a lot of things and just gets to the core of that um, that language and just being able to uh, really get us to a, a core level of being able like you said to be grounded or or um, or centered uh, one takeaway for me music is very powerful it really transcends so much that's one thing that we all have in common and some way shape or form music does play a part in our lives it definitely is something for me that i listen to in times where i'm feeling stressed or times where i need to focus or times where i need to just relax and have a, a breather <laughs> music can be that thing I was going to say something along the same lines, and that's just simply um, if music is that powerful, if music is that strong, um, just be mindful of what you are utilizing it to fuel. Um, based on the article, we know that there are or we've learned that there are places where um, music can entice you to 
um, a positive place, but also entice you to a negative place. And just being mindful about the power of music and what you're utilizing it to fuel. Yeah, I think that's a great theme that we've talked about over the course of the podcast, which by uh, the way, next episode marks our 30th episode. That's a great occasion. (laughs) But the whole concept of being mindful, being aware of why we're doing the things that we're doing, what are we listening to and what value does it have? I think over the course of my life, the place of music has evolved Uh, at one portion of my life. It may have been one thing, but now it's intentionally something else. I think, I think that's a good thing. You know, as we grow our need and the place of music in our life or art in our life in general may continue to grow as well. So I hope that all of you did enjoy our conversation today. And if you have a favorite artist or you have something that you're listening to that you want to recommend, you can, of course, connect to us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube and drop us a line of someone or groups that you are listening to that you think that we might enjoy. And no, I don't do a trap in real life. (laughs) Or does he? Right. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. So if you'd like to connect with us, drop us a line. You can search for the name of our platform, Our Father's Table. Any questions, comments, or show ideas can be sent to vantagepointpod at gmail.com. Before we go, it's time for Fields of Vision, the segment of the show where we highlight a quote or text to help encourage and inspire you. Where words fail, music speaks. Hans Christian Andersen. And that does it for us here today at Vantage Point. I'm Troy Jennings. And I'm Aaron Pope. We thank you for joining us and look forward to you joining us again on next Tuesday. Until we meet again, friends, be well.